Hey everyone and welcome to the podcast. This episode is proudly brought to you by well, anybody. We are currently looking for a sponsor for the Road to Success podcast. So if you, an organization or business you know or are involved with, might be interested in finding out some more information about sponsoring the Road to Success podcast, then please contact me online either via mattylovell.com or you can find me on Facebook or Instagram too. We can start to go over how things might work and have you or your business sponsoring the Road to Success podcast. Until then, enjoy the episode. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Road to Success podcast. My name is Maddie Lovell. Thank you so much for joining me today as I chat with Christchurch earthquake survivor, Monique Kimber-Bell. Monique, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Now, look, I've done... Like a number of these podcasts over time, and generally I kind of have a rough idea of where they're going to go. But um, with this one, it's a, it's a little bit different, and I'm not sure exactly how it's going to unfold as we've just been talking about. But it's because you know the event that connects you and I is the the Christchurch earthquake, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, I guess the you know our stories are connected, but from um, nearly total opposite sort of sides of the of the equation, I guess, and so. You know, maybe we start with, you know, pre-earthquake. You know, mm-hmm. what did your life look like? What were you doing? What was going on for, for you sort of pre, um, you know, February 2011? Well, um, my little 22-year-old self uh, <laughs> had only just moved to Christchurch. So I uh, had been promoted at my work. I worked for Perpetual, which is a trustee company, and I was originally based down in Dunedin. So I had moved up to Christchurch a couple weeks after the September earthquake, and um, had just decided, yep, all right, let's go to Christchurch. Let's en- enjoy life. Um, well, I say enjoy life. It was, it was a very, I was a very different person back yeah. then. Yeah. Uh, so when I'd moved there, I was flatting on at the top end of Manchester Street and then working down at the other end mm-hmm. um, in the PGC building. And I guess you could say... Um, yeah, I was just, as you would put it, and I'm going to have my rabbit ears up here, mm. a normal person yeah. living yeah. a normal life, yeah. just trying to fit in, trying to kind of move with the sheep. Sorry. Find your place for in the world. Of, for lack of a better word. Yeah, you know? yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, youthful ignorance was probably high on my um Yeah, yeah. I mean, probably every, every, every 22-year-old Kiwi is probably exactly. Exa- exactly the same at that stage in exactly. life. Exactly. And, um, and so you're working with the same company. You came up to Christchurch to work mm-hmm. with them. And um, the day of the earthquake, was it you know, just any normal day for you? You head off to work from your flat? Oh, oh my gosh. It was so stock standard. Um, I literally had, remember the day like it, like, you know, it's crystal clear. Mm-hmm. So I remember waking up and being, trying to decide, oh, do I wear stockings or do I not wear stockings? I'm wearing a wool sweater, you know, just such normal things mm-hmm. that someone's thinking about. And then walking to work with my umbrella, because I did the walk every single day mm-hmm. and it just being like any other day, you know, maybe there was going to be a little bit of rain, which we found out later there was, mm-hmm. um, or, you know, there was nothing really on my mind. I was just going through the process. Yeah. Like of, everyone does. Like everyone yeah. does. It was, it's hard to kind of yeah. articulate yeah, how it was so normal, so normal it, it yeah. was. It was just like, that was my everyday routine. Yeah. You know, I would just do the exact same thing, yeah. the exact same order. Yeah. And, 
Were you were you, were earthquakes on your mind at all? Because obviously you, you know there was September earthquake, which was quite significant, quite yep. you know, quite different, a lot very different in a way, but also quite significant. When you moved up to Christchurch, were earthquakes something you even considered? Oh, absolutely not. Um, so when you are from Christchurch, you didn't really look at the earthquake or take it um, take on the significant significance of it as much as when you didn't live in Christchurch. Yeah. So I moved up from Dunedin, obviously, and when we came up here, like there were aftershocks on the daily and there were some more people who were more scared of them than other people. But because they weren't as significant as the first one, you kind of just assumed, for lack of a better term, that things were okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also, you know, you had so many, like we had engineers coming through our building to check everything. And so you kind of just assumed that, you know, things were in motion, everything was going to be fine. Uh, and the significance of that September quake was so downplayed that you didn't really have any fear. And I think that that's probably where I came from. I went, well, oh, well, this is what it is. And you also live in the mindset of things like, it'll never happen to me. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> that youthful ignorance coming back in. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and um, and yeah, and I guess you know, like I said, you've got engineers walking, which most buildings in Christchurch yep. probably had. There were in, you know people in mm-hmm. hard hats and clipboards walking around, yep. and you sort of you sort of assume that there's people you know above you taking care of mm-hmm. you know all the important stuff. And um, but I guess you know no one predicted um, could have predicted what was going to happen. No, like um, I I remember in November taking photos of the building. Um, because I was like, oh, this is where I'm working. Mm-hmm. Just so you all know, mm-hmm. you know, we're right by the um, the river. Mm-hmm. Is it the river? Yeah, it is. Oh, gosh, yeah, oh, God, yeah. I was having a moment there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, you know, and how excited I was, you know. You don't even think about, oh, the cracks in the toilet. Yeah. Because you were told not to. You were yeah, not yeah. told not to. You, yeah, just was part of it. It was just part of it. Even yeah, building exactly. a crack something after that. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally. And, um, and tell me about what happened at 1251. Uh, so 1251 um, was, yeah, interesting. Um, so at 1250, I was sitting at my desk um, and I was in my unit. Of, you know, uh, one of the ladies had just come back from lunch. Mm-hmm. And I remember looking at the clock and going, should I go for a run? I'm actually quite hungry. Or maybe I'll just go have lunch. You know, it looks like it's going to rain because I was also going to go buy some tickets to um, – Queens of the Stone Age. Oh, yes. And I was tossing up what I should do, and everything pointed to me staying at my desk until 1 o'clock because I was like, oh, I can wait for 1, I can wait, it's fine. And at 12.50, I went, no, I'm going to go have lunch, and then I'll go get the tickets and, you know, I'll just, yeah, that's 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 what I'll do for the next yeah, yeah. half hour yeah. lunch break. Um, and so I got my lunchbox out, and I walked into the, into the lunchroom, put my lunch in the microwave, pressed the button and went, oh, God, that's making an awful noise. And that's when the building started jumping up and down. And there was the the awful roar that sounded like a truck had or a train had um, literally pummeled into the building. Obviously, mm-hmm. I know it wasn't a train. But, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> but um, and the building just started jumping up and down, shaking side to side. And in what can only be, you know, explained as a fraction of a second, I had to make a choice of, oh, my God, what is happening, and throw myself at something because mm-hmm. I saw the other people in the lunchroom as the lights flickered off doing the same thing and going under the table. I was like, I can do it. I can make it to the table. Mm-hmm. and just throwing myself. And I just I remember the 
side to side and then throw, like mm-hmm. literally like supermanning yeah. towards this table. Um, but I didn't make it to the table. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> in fact, I somehow completely flipped around. I, I still to this day have no recollection of how it happened, mm-hmm. but I remember as the earthquake started settling, feeling the more and more weight coming onto my my back and mm-hmm. I was um, in a, what would you call that? In a triangle, triangle position yeah, yeah. <laughs> with my leg straight out in front of me, something on top of my back and like, being pushed into my knees. Yeah, so like a pike position sort of thing. Yeah, yeah I see. Yeah. Uh, and so, and as it settled, it settled down, um, something had broken and was jabbing into my back. Uh-huh. And my, when I say my knees were as close to my head as it could possibly be, uh-huh. I mean, straight away. Pins and needles. Yeah. Started losing feeling. And I remember just going, as soon as it stopped, all right, something's happened, but I need to move. And that was the first thoughts after the earthquake that I mm. remember thinking. Um, and from there, it was a, there was a couple people making noises in the lunchroom. So yeah. we ended up being what I call the cafeteria five. Yes, yeah, I've heard, read that term. <laughs> cafeteria five. Uh, so... The four of us who were in the cafeteria when the earthquake happened, and then one person who had ran in, mm-hmm. trying to seek solace, you yeah. know, trying to find somewhere. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so they made sure they were okay, and I just remember I didn't really respond. I was like, I just need to move. I need to get out of this position. Could you see them? No. 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 You oh just, God, no. You, you, <laughs> could just, you could just hear people. You could. How, how big is the space you're in? The bit. How big is the space I'm in? Yeah, um, right. So at this point. Mm-hmm. I knew that there was something, some room at the front of my feet. Mm-hmm. I could assume that much. Mm-hmm. Um, it was completely pitch black. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I say how big the space was, I mean, I thought I was going to have to break my leg or dislocate my hip, yeah. something, to get out of this position. There was no if, ands, or buts yeah, around yeah, it. Yeah. There was just a, yeah. I can't breathe. Mm-hmm. I, well, I, I'm finding it very difficult to breathe. Yeah. My legs are losing feeling. Yeah. I need to move. Yeah. And as someone who was had never kind of been in, well, no one's been in that situation before, yeah, but, you know, yes. <laughs> for someone who had never experienced anything to even close to that degree before, mm. it was the thought process is just so quick. Like, yeah. and you go, okay, we yeah. just need to do something right now. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think you brought up an interesting point before. I just want to jump back to it quickly about, mm. you know, how it was so sort of violent and quick because, yeah. I, you know, like I think it was like 45 seconds long, the earthquake. It's crazy when you actually yeah. look at it. But it felt like, you know, like one or two seconds. And I rem- like when you try to explain the earthquake to someone who didn't experience it, it's really hard because it's so violent. Like I was 24. Five or 26, mm. I think, when it happened. And it was so violent. I, I, Sally was about three or four metres from me, and I was yeah. like, I'll get, I'll go to her. And it was just like, I could not move a no. metre, like not a metre. I was just like, like it was so, it was like, um, I don't know, you know those things you run on on water when you've got like an inflatable thing and you try and run on one of those and you just sort of end up like falling off. It was, it was crazy quick and crazy strong. The way that I like to think of it is, if I'm standing up, mm-hmm. imagine someone trying to tackle you mm-hmm. and you trying to move out of the way, but be, still being taken to the side yeah. as they're trying to drag you down. Yeah. But you're trying to combat it, Yeah. but you can't because it's just, there was such a force behind it. Yeah. It, and I, it's, it was that initial hit yeah. that was just so strong. And in the building, I just remember it bouncing up and down. Mm-hmm. It was 
absolutely like you can't yeah. explain you it. You can't, yeah, yeah. It's like uh, the best thing you could do is say um, a bouncy cla- castle on top of a roller. Yeah, 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 yeah that's, that's definitely, like, <laughs> yeah, it's incredibly, and I think, um, you know, what I learned is that buildings are actually made to move in earthquakes, Yes, you know, so like. Well, I so was the PGC yeah, building. <laughs> yeah, 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 you know, I was seven stories up when it happened, oh, and, and, and it's, uh, there's so much movement mm. in the building, but you find out that's actually normal, it's meant to do that, Yeah. Um, which is, yeah, I guess good and bad, but um, it was uh, certainly for people that don't, it didn't experience it, the the ferocity and the violent, mm. you know, violentness, the violence, the, the violence of the of the actual um, shaking was was hard to comprehend, and so yes. you find yourself in this space. Mm-hmm. You know that something's in, inside you is telling that you have to move because mm-hmm. you know you're contemplating dislocating hips and bones and things. What do you do from there? Well, I think the reality of the situation is I always knew that if there was a big earthquake, there was going to be aftershocks. And I did not think that if there was an aftershock, like, like I don't even know how quickly I thought this. I'm, my flight or fight must be excellent. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I just knew that if I did not move, there was going to be an aftershock and mm. who knew what was going to happen after that. Yeah. And so um, one of the ladies had a phone and so she managed to get this phone through from someone else into my area. So we, we, we could, one person could like touch something and another person could touch a foot mm-hmm. and through that kind of you could, we could yeah. get to each ourselves other, yeah. to yeah, each yeah, other. Yeah. This was just, this was four people. Mm-hmm. Then there was the other person who had ran in who was quite far away from us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and so what, what, what before the, mm. the phone, like what are you guys talking about? Like, like you know, like because I guess it's so loud and, yeah. and everything's falling down and then all of a sudden I remember it just being like silent because all yes, the radios oh stopped working, all the, there's no noise anymore, all the cars have stopped trying, mm-hmm. excuse me, stopped driving and it's just like, Dead silence. So, like, are you? Do you? Can anyone hear me? Are you? Like, what are you? What sort of? How, how do you figure out there's people close to you? Um, well, because there was four of us in the cafeteria yeah, before. before yeah. Um, they said, "Is everyone okay?" And then it was, "Who's in here?" And mm. then, yeah, because there was a new person. Yeah. They were like, "Who else is here?" You know, yeah. trying to figure out who was in that room. Mm-hmm. But I'll be honest, I was. My mind was not on who was there. Is mm. everyone okay? It was on. I need to move. Yeah. Um, and that's, yeah. And yeah. it's, it's, it's um, I mean, I was it's selfish. Self-preservation. But no, it no. was self-preservation. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, because I, yeah, it was a, it wasn't a very yeah. great position. No. And could you move? Did you, did you manage to move? Yeah. So I literally just went, all right, one, two, three, mm-hmm. pull as hard as I could. Mm-hmm. And thankfully nothing. Dislocated. Dislocated. <laughs> I mean, there was a lot of work done to get it back up to working order, but yeah. Um, but yeah. So I was very fortunate. I moved, and mm-hmm. then um, I went underneath the chair, mm-hmm. and then that's when the aftershock started. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you talk about the eerie silence, and everything mm-hmm. following that, yeah. um, that's when that set in. Yeah. Um, after the aftershocks, it was when the aftershocks once because at that point, you know, we couldn't. You could only hear the people in there. Mm-hmm. There wasn't even any falling because mm-hmm. everything had already fallen. Mm-hmm. Um, we had initially thought that it was just the roof, mm-hmm. but kind of, you could kind of what have What level a, were you on? We were on the first floor. First so we floor. had the four floors pancaked on top of us. Yeah. We were just so lucky we were by the stairwell. Yeah. That's, anyway. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so 
So tell me about the phone because you said that you were able to sort of like pass things around to each other and someone had a phone. Yeah, so initially we could pass, yeah, so mm-hmm. the phone, it was just a, a quick light because we, we were like, well, she's like, this. there's not much battery in it. Mm-hmm. And so it was just so I could quickly see like I don't, maybe even she was able to shine it. I can't mm. remember exactly. Is it pitch black where you are? Pitch black. Yeah. Can't see anything. You couldn't even... You, you, all you could feel was the 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 dust in the air. Mm-hmm. Like that's you could like you couldn't have any consciousness of mm-hmm. space because of that. Do mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Because yep. it filled in yeah. the void that was around you. Yeah. Um, and so I managed to just see. All right, quick flash of the light that there was this chair, and I was like, right, steel chair. Yeah. <laughs> and I say like this as if there was a heap of space in yeah, front of me. Yeah. 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 <laughs> But there wasn't, mm. and like there's probably a meter and a half between me, me and you right now. Mm-hmm. But right when you look at it from my perspective, probably half a meter is you know that's my total void. And when yeah. I say half a meter, I'm talking the lengthwise. Yeah, the height was the si- the size of this chair, which yeah. is less than half a meter off yeah. the ground. Yeah, and it was on top of the the door, which I found out was on top of me later. Mm. <laughs> the door um, was sitting on this chair. Mm-hmm. And what I didn't know is also a concrete beam was sitting on the chair, but mm. you're yeah, lucky. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, weirdly enough, from what I saw, it yeah. was the beams were also, you know, like if you were if you were close enough to a beam, then that kind of protected you as well. Yeah. You know, like um, we found some people that, um, you know, you, it was just it was pure luck where you inches. were inches. Yeah, you know, if you were if you were three or four inches yep. one way, you'd been um, you'd been passed away, but. Um, if you're in the right place and you have to, you know, I don't know how you process that, you know, and think that, you know, if you hadn't gone for lunch or if you decided to do something else, but literally where you happened to be at that exact second played a, you know, an insurmountable, inconceivable role of, you know, how it turned out for you. And so, um, so you managed to move a little bit, you crawl under a chair. Mm -hmm. Are you, are you injured at all? Like I know, um, you know, nothing significant, but yeah. like a building's just collapsed on top of you. Is mm-hmm. there, do you have, you know, are you scratched, bruised, bumped? Oh, yeah, well, right. yo, yo, scratched, bruised, yeah. and bumped, that's yeah. for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, you know, um, had you, had you, did you feel like anything was broken? Like, no, I didn't have any broken bones. Mm-hmm. Um, I honestly don't know how. Yeah. Like, I, I not, in fact, um, only one person in our area had a substantial, um, a substantial injury, mm-hmm. and just for their pres- for their, mm. it's not my place to say yeah, what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, in terms of myself, like, um, yeah, no, there wasn't anything significant. Mm. You're just in a very uncomfortable I position. Was just yeah. Mm-hmm. So to put it uncomfortably, so that chair that I was under, mm. it was a. I had to choose which limbs I could live without, like. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, like uh, it's it's yeah it's hard because it's like yeah no I didn't have any injuries but the psychological trauma that I went through to me mm-hmm. is the worst thing that could have oh yeah like yeah no I, I don't downplay for yeah, a second yeah. <laughs> the, uh, the the emotional impact like that that's has, why yeah. I don't even take into consideration like you know the bumps the scratches the yeah, yeah. like oh they're they're all surface yeah, yeah. Um, yeah totally and but you know I went through six months of chiropractic and um physiotherapy like you know mm. every second day yeah. just to get my body back into the ability like the ability yeah. to properly walk you yeah, know yeah. i walked with i think a limp for a while if i remember wow. correctly yeah, 
And so, and so you thought, I'm going to try and get under this chair because we're taught that chairs yep. are strong. So you, you crawl under the chair. And, and I, one thing, I, I guess I, um, you know, you guys didn't know what had happened outside no. the building. Which no. I, I think is 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 something that's not very not not thought about. You had no idea if the entire city was no. Um. So as so when we say crawl, um, I hooked my leg mm-hmm. <laughs> around it and shifted my body down. Yeah. I like there wasn't that space to crawl. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like I'm trying. I'm overplaying yeah, the yeah, amount of yeah. space that there was, yeah. and there really was no space. My yeah. like I was in a underneath the chair mm-hmm. trying to protect my head and my torso. Yeah. That's how contorted I was. Yeah. Like I don't even think I can push myself as as um scrunched up yeah. into the fetal position. Yeah. My legs were up in the air in between two drawers mm-hmm. and my head was resting on a recycle bin just to help lift it up. Yeah. Wow. And I, every time there was an aftershock it was a Yeah. Trying up. trying to get in under as close yeah. as I could to try and save the space because yeah. after the aftershocks, it was just me in the chair. Yeah, yeah. Like there wasn't that gap that was... Oh, really? So the space got smaller as the aftershocks Oh, yeah. And then because there was a concrete beam on the chair, mm-hmm. it then started digging in. Like I was stuck, stuck. Like I couldn't move after mm-hmm. about half an hour. Wow. So once, I, th- I think it was 41 minutes, something like that. Mm-hmm. When the first substantial aftershock came, mm-hmm. that's when I lost all the space mm-hmm. and that's when I was pinned down. Yeah. 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 So I was so lucky that you made that effort to move. Yeah. 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 Um, sorry, now I've lost track of what the expression was. No, no, no. <laughs> I, 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 my question was um, are you thinking about what's happening outside of your building? Because, yep. you know, like I think you're in a, you know, in a dark space. You've got no idea if, um, you know, I guess, it, again, we talk about self preservation. You're just mm-hmm. doing what you can control. Does your mind start to think about what happened in the rest of the city? So initially we all thought that the roof had just come down. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, ignorance is bliss. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> yeah. um, so we just thought that the roof had come down and then it kind of started to set in, I think, you know, after you've been there for about 10 minutes or half an hour or 40 minutes, that maybe something else has happened. Mm-hmm. And by that I mean there was so much dust in the air. Like mm-hmm. I cannot describe to you. Like, like I put my top up on mm. my face to breathe through as a mask mm-hmm. just to try and not give myself, you know, give myself my lungs some chance. Yeah. Um, and you could feel this cold breeze coming through. And I think it was when the cold breeze started wafting through that we went, oh, no, what has happened? And then we heard the first rescuers. Mm-hmm. Um, so when the first rescuers came, and I say came, they didn't come to us. Mm-hmm. They were talking to someone else. I was a little bit hysterical. Mm-hmm. Um, Understandably. Bit. <laughs> and I was, after that aftershock mm-hmm. and when I started realising the precarious situation I was in, I just started screaming mm-hmm. constantly, trying mm-hmm. to get uh, for the first uh, probably hour, yeah. <laughs> yeah. trying to um, get, see who was out there, get yeah. help. Yeah. Um, and so they had found someone just somewhere on the stairwell mm-hmm. And they obviously could get to us, and mm-hmm. we were trying to say, you know, we're 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 by the stairwell, just just we're just here. Yeah. Like, why can't you find us? Yeah. And once you realise that, you know, they're not coming for you, mm-hmm. they're there to help someone else, and you go, what's happened? And then you start hearing the helicopters, and then you start hearing the jackhammers. Mm-hmm. The jackhammers were, you know, you realise, wow, something's happened. And then once you start going into, well, if this is all happening here, 
what has happened? Mm-hmm. And you start, your mind makes up these scenarios, you know, because you start going, are they even going to save me? Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we're trapped. Oh my gosh, something really bad's happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and you could, I can remember you can hear the, the alarms going mm-hmm. off as well. Yeah. The, Car alarms and building alarms and everything. And so you you couldn't really hear the alarms that much, but you could still hear something. Mm-hmm. Um, and you realise that actually this is a really bad situation. Yeah. We're on the first floor of a building. Mm-hmm. They can't they don't know where we are. Yeah. Um and yeah, it's 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 pretty um, I don't know if I can find a word that even yeah. kind of explains, but um, it's not a great feeling when you think that no one's coming to help you. I can imagine. Or no one can get, can to, get you. to you. Yeah. You know, we were in this amazing brand new looking building. The expectation is we were in a safe place. Yeah. You know, there are all these historic buildings around us. Mm-hmm. What's going to go down first? In your mind, you're thinking, if our building has gone down, mm-hmm. what what the heck else has happened out there? Um, and that's a, a you know, yeah. when you're... Yeah. I mean, I guess you're in this dark place and your mind's just thinking and... Um, I was literally pinned down, yeah. couldn't move. Yeah. Everyone else was like, it's fine, it's fine. Mm-hmm. Like, one of the guys, he was so lovely. He didn't want to tell anyone, you know, that, about his position because I was there and I was panicking. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, because I was like, I have to move. I have to get somewhere. And they're like, oh, just come through this bit and you can get to us. I'm like, I can't move. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I can't. I literally cannot move. Yeah. And he was in the same plight, but he didn't want to say anything because I was so young yeah. and obviously hysterical. Yeah. And he didn't want to make it worse. Worse but, for you, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah, that's heroic in its own nature. Exactly. Um, And so you start, do you personally communicate with people outside or is it just through the five of you that one of you manages sort of to to talk to someone outside? No, so when when they had the phone, I was like, oh, I just need to see where, like they they actually physically passed me the phone when I was pinned down because I was like, I need to see if I can get to you. And that's when we realised there's no way I can get to you. So when you got past the phone, you use it as a torch. Is yeah, that what you did? yeah, we use it. Well, you, you there was no torches oh, on phones back I, then. I <laughs> we used the screen as yeah, a light. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I managed. I could remember two numbers, and may I just say, for those of you at home who do not know any numbers, please, please, just remember one important person's number. Memorize a phone number. <laughs> Memorize yeah. a phone number. Um, yeah. so I can remember two numbers. Um, one was a friend of mine, and she was in Dunedin. Obviously couldn't help. <laughs> and I just remember texting her being like, we're on the first floor of the PGC building. There's five of us. We're in the cafeteria. We're beside the stairwell. Send help. And I remember sending that text message. The tele- like Obviously, the telephone um, communication networks were down. Um, so she didn't get that until later. And then um, I managed to call my grandma. They didn't want me to call them. But I was like, I'm going to do it. I don't care what you say. You know? mm. Um, and that's when I made, um, cause at this stage I had realized I can't move. I'm pinned down. I literally cannot get to anyone else. There's no way. Literally where my foot is in this drawers, the set of drawers is the only hole to another person. The set of drawers is holding something up, which I couldn't see what it was, but I knew it was 
it was it was on an angle there's something on top of it and then the drawers had come out it's like so okay so there's no way I'm going to get through that um and so I rang my grandma because that was the only other number that I knew mm-hmm. off by heart and I rang her and was just like just I will always remember it's like one of the the conversations that in hindsight is really funny mm-hmm. at the time I was like you're not <laughs> you do not understand the magnitude of the situation and I um called her and just went hi grandma and she's like oh hello dear <laughs> um oh hello dear I was wondering how you're going I'm like grandma just so you know I'm in my building I'm in the PGC building um I just wanted to let you know that I love you and she was like, oh, okay. And then I hung up because I just, I just, that's when I kind of had, I knew, that, well, I knew. I thought that my fate was set in stone. Mm-hmm. This is, you know, I'm just waiting my time out now. Um, it was not, you know, the easiest thing to kind of come to terms with, but also when you're, you think that there's no way out and you think that, you know, the, like literally the end of the world is happening because if this is happening in Christchurch, what's happening? Because you you, you think back to like, you know, those movies like 2012 mm-hmm. and God, mm-hmm. <laughs> 2012 and Armageddon where, you know, things just, a whole city explodes yeah. and you go, yeah. well, that's what's happened, right? Yeah. Do you think you're going to die? Yeah. Oh, from the moment the earthquake happened. Yeah. And then once I was under that chair, mm-hmm. I just thought I was waiting out my time. Really, and the people who were in the cafeteria will tell you the same thing because I was just if I heard a noise, I would just scream like I would like screaming. We're in the cafeteria, like it was a broken record. It was mm-hmm. we're in the cafeteria. There's five of us. Send help, and mm-hmm. I would just do it to the point where people were telling me to, oh, for the love of God, just be quiet. Yeah, I mean, everyone deals with things differently, you know, <laughs> and everyone, you know, you talk about fight or flight mm-hmm. and. Uh, fight, flight, or freeze, you know, and, and everyone's just, you know, particularly when it's a situation like that, everyone's just doing what they have to, mm-hmm. what they can, what they think's best. Um, mm-hmm. So then what happens? Uh, so we waited out. <laughs> um, aftershock after aftershock. Um, that was one of the hardest bits. Um, when you think that you're just waiting, you, you, it's, it's, it is what they say where you literally sit there and you contemplate your life. Mm. What do you think about? Um, I remember thinking about, you know, oh, well, I wish I'd done so much more with my life. Like I, I particularly remember you sit there and you you start thinking, I mean, I haven't done anything with my life, you know? All I've done is worked. Mm-hmm. All I've done is, you know, gone around this particular, you know, or exercise to look thin mm. or you've done certain things to be, to fit into a mold. Mm-hmm. And I knew that, and I knew that I'd been doing that my whole life. And that's what I was thinking about. And I was thinking about, you know, how at the time I, I loved my boyfriend and how I just wished that, you know, I hope he knows that I'm in here and, you know, how I never, will, I won't get to say goodbye to all of these people. Mm-hmm. Um, then I was also like, what's happening to my family? Because my whole family was in Christchurch mm-hmm. and, you just you just have this insurmountable regret, yeah, because you feel like you could have done things differently, um, which is not great to think of when yeah. you're already in a bit of yeah. a dire situation. Yeah, um, if I try and articulate it, it's really hard because you know I was I was literally just lying there, yeah, lying there, 
pinned down going, waiting for the next aftershock or waiting for the aftershock that would kill me. Basically. It's hard to comprehend for us people that weren't there, didn't, you know, that weren't in that sort of situation. Or, you know, most people never spend their, you know, any amount of time in a situation like that. So it's very hard to, um, for anyone to think. But, mm. you know, I guess, you know, I'll come back to that in a second, yeah. but do, do, do you look back now and think that, you know, having those thoughts at that time has helped change the way that you live your life after the earthquake? Oh, 100%. Because you've gone through the stage where you went, you know, I had the opportunity to do these things and I didn't because, you know, it was never going to happen to me. And then it happened to me. So I went, so I changed my perspective on life and went, well, you know what? Anything could happen at any stage. So why don't I just do the things that I want to do or the things that challenge me or the things that, you know, I would not like pre-earthquake Monique would have said no to. So then I can just take, grab a hold of the opportunity. You never know where life's going to send you. What's the worst thing that can happen? The worst thing that can happen is, oh, oh, well, that didn't work out. We'll try something else. But that's, I think, something in society we're so scared to do because, you know, you're always, you're always told, you know, you, you do things this way because of X, Y, or Z to fit in. And that's why there's such a difference between pre-earthquake Monique and post-earthquake Monique. Post-earthquake Monique doesn't care what you think. Post-earthquake Monique thinks, well, I can do it, so why don't I? It's, yeah, it, I mean, obviously, if I had more money, I'd do a lot more things. <laughs> But, yeah, it's completely changed my perspective on life and who I am as a person. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely look at my life as two different eras. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I think that, you know, it's probably the, the not not to the same degree, but I think for the same for me as well, I think that you, you sort of look back at an event like that and all the things that you thought, or felt were important beforehand, just absolute pale in comparison when you're Absolutely. when you're sitting there or in a situation mm-hmm. where you think that you know you're not going to be able to be alive for much mm-hmm. longer. Um, so you're hearing jackhammers and stuff. Mm-hmm. You obviously know that people, or do you know that people are trying to get to you? No, we don't know that people are trying to get to us. Yeah. Uh, when the first people said that you know someone will come help you, eventually you kind of lose, you lost that bit of hope. Because if they didn't know where you were and they were doing something else, they didn't understand this. You thought they didn't understand the situation that you were in. Mm-hmm. Um, again, we're in a little bubble. We had no idea what was going on. Yeah. Um, and then, so uh, we'll fast forward about five and a half hours. <laughs> how, long, how long were you in there for total? Uh, so I got my body tag at 7.50. 7.50. Yeah, around about that time I think was on my yeah. body tag. Yeah. yeah. So that's when I was out and being in the triage, being triaged, yeah. yeah, and yeah, you you don't know how long you were in there yourself, mm. so I only have that to go by. Uh, yeah, so yeah. It, was, it was six hours. Yeah, it was yeah. a good six yeah. hours. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, if you fast forward five hours, mm-hmm. it was probably a good five hours of mm. of complete silence, where we had no communication with anyone else other than the five people who were in that area. Yeah. And um, then we had the first, we had the first lot of rescuers. Uh, people came up from us in the ground floor. So they came in the ground floor and they asked us where we were. And you just assumed that they knew where you were because you kind of explained to people, "Well, come on, we're by the stairwell. How can you not know that we're not by the stairwell? Mm-hmm. The stairwell is right there." <laughs> 
I mean, once we got out, we understood. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, we're in the cafeteria. Just you Again, you didn't understand that they didn't know where that was. Yeah. So they then came at, um, at us from above and they thought they'd found us. They thought they were, they, they were you know, there. They're like, can you see our torch? We're like, no, <laughs> no, we can't. And so you've got these three kind of false starts that mm-hmm. were happening. Um, and then you have silence again. Uh, so they know you're there. Mm-hmm. They know there's life, but they can't get to you. Mm-hmm. And the reason they can't get to you is because they're in, they, all they see is these giant slabs of concrete that they're walking across. And you are somewhere underneath one of these giant slabs of concrete. Um, also, I think it's so, um, you know, from what we did, you mm. pretty much, like when you go through a floor, it's not like, you know, it's not like so you're, you're down a floor and then you can see 20 no. meters inside that floor. It's like you go down into a floor and, you know, as you said before, it's like we might have only seen like 30 centimetres from that hole. And then, you know, you could be a metre from someone and have I – mean, you could be 30 centimetres from someone and yep. have no idea they were even there. Well, we, um, we knew the Cafeteria 5 that we were all within, you know, touching distance of each other. Mm-hmm. But we had absolutely no idea where the other people were. Yeah. Because there was so much stuff blocking these people from you. Yeah. So, I mean, that's what, a maximum of six feet yeah. each? Yeah. Yeah, you totally. Know? Well, you, you, you imagine like a, you know, I guess to ex- try and visually explain it, you imagine a, a room full of stuff and then you compress the floor down to, you know, <laughs> yeah. 40 or 50 centimetres yep. and all that stuff is still in there as well. Yep. Um, What's the height of a chair? Yeah. That yeah. was the maximum height that you had around you yeah, yeah. and everything was in a triangle. Yeah. Because we were on the first floor, mm-hmm. so we had the four floors on top of us, mm-hmm. all their stuff compressed on top of us as well. Yeah, yeah. So if you didn't have something around you that formed that that amazing ti- triangle of life, mm. well, well, I mean, that's how people died. Yeah, yeah, completely. So you're starting to talk with rescuers. They're coming to you. You're getting these sort of like false starts where you mm-hmm. think they're sort of close to you and you think you're about to get out. And then they, you know, they find yep. that it's not the right spot. And, you know, it was the same for us. We would come to someone and then realize that we couldn't actually get to them that way mm. and we'd have to try different ways. And it's... Um, I can only imagine how disheartening it would have been from your perspective because I know how it was from my yeah, perspective. No, no, there's nothing can, <laughs> and, yeah. No, well, you see, from our perspective, you know, we just, we just wanted you to come to us, but you also know that there is someone alive. Mm. And you understand that... the the nature of the situation. So I couldn't even imagine you seeing someone who, or hearing someone knowing they're alive. And if you don't get to them. Yeah. That's. Yeah. It was, that, just, it was just, it was just so there was no, um, there was no, like it was just trial and error of, mm. you know, you didn't know if you broke through this bit of concrete, would they be there? Yep. Or would you, if you move this bit of furniture, would they be behind that? Or if you went down this way, would they be there? Mm-hmm. It was all just sort of, yeah, there was no, um, map I guess mm-hmm. of, of how to get to people and so um, I guess carry on from there so you, you there's, there's trial and you know you think people are coming to you and they're not um, yeah. and, and is there a point where you think that you know you might make it out yeah so the point where I finally thought that I'd make it out was when we heard Michael coming so Michael is my, my the person who rescued me um, well one of the people but the person who I saw yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, so Michael um, 
had been tasked with infiltrating the gaps. Mm-hmm. So he literally was finding any little gap in to come and crawl through to try and find people. And he, well, I'm, uh, again, I don't know what other rescuers were doing. So y'all could have been doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. I only know it from his perspective. Mm-hmm. And um, he managed to find his way through to the fridge that had all the the, the beer in it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so he found his way to the fridge and cut a hole in the fridge for uh, the two people who were by, the two people who were together could get out. And um, it was great hearing rescue kind for us, but also terrifying. You start thinking about Final Destination. I literally thought that was going to be my life. I was, because we hadn't had an aftershock for a while. So you were waiting for the next aftershock. And so you hear this person, you go, please, please, please just get me out. Please, like you literally just start begging them. And obviously they're, they're there to get you out, but also you are so desperate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so I remember just begging him to stop talking to these these people. <laughs> I was like, seriously, sh- shut the insert some bad words here. Yeah. Um, help me. <laughs> like, get, like, get them out and come me. back and get me. Yeah. No, so he sent them down. Um, I think I was one of the only ones who he didn't send send down by mm-hmm. themselves because I was so terrified. Mm-hmm. Like I was. He had to literally he had to kick out some drawers, and when he was doing it, I was screaming at him to stop. Because I was, he was, he was going to knock down the only thing that was keeping me alive. Mm-hmm. You know, I was waiting for something to just move mm-hmm. and to be crushed. <laughs> like it's hard to uh, like other people won't be able to understand that. But, yeah. You know, you are like any movement mm-hmm. could be your end mm-hmm. at that stage. Yeah, you know, we're six hours in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Things are starting to give away. My chair, I still remember it to the day. Like I can still do it to the day where I remember. The, the chair buckling mm-hmm. on top of me. Like it was digging into my stomach mm-hmm. and I would do this every aftershock to see how much worse it was. Um, and he had to literally, he kicked down these drawers, which my feet were in. <laughs> and then he, because um, the way that my feet were in, it was, uh, they were like, so my hips are here and my legs were up like that into the drawers. Mm-hmm. So I was, oh, my my butt was hoiked into this chair. Like mm-hmm. when I say, I mean, it was pressed firmly into it. So he had to move my leg and then just yank, just yank as hard as he could mm-hmm. to try and get me free. Free, guess, yeah. yeah. Um, and then drag me out. Yeah. <laughs> like there's no, yeah. no nice way of putting it. Yeah. He, had to, he had to drag me out yeah. until I was in the area where – the other two people had been, mm-hmm. and um, thankfully I was wearing good undies that day. So you know, <laughs> <laughs> priorities. <laughs> yeah. There's a lesson on that. Yeah, Always yeah, wear nice underwear. You never know. Well, wow, they do say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, when did you realise you weren't going to die? That would be um, wouldn't have been until he had got me right up. Um, once I'd gone down the ladder. When mm-hmm. I say I do not remember this, I'm going to assume I've seen some things mm-hmm. and my my brain doesn't want to remember them. Um, so I do not remember. I remember seeing some paperwork and some blood and then crawling. I know I know that they cleared the way and made it so that we could crawl out, but mm-hmm. I, I literally do not remember this. Mm-hmm. And he said that he stared me straight in the eyes and had to pull me out. Yeah. Because I was just, I was shaking so much. I was so terrified. 
you know, I was 22. Yeah. Like I feel like that in itself yeah, should yeah. explain no, it. Yeah. Um, and he, he had to crawl me the whole way out with me staring at him in the face. Yeah. Um, and what I was crawling over, I just remember being, because I was, I, I do remember being so shell-shocked as to what I was seeing around me, like uh, all of this paper and all of this glass and all of this concrete. And like, yeah, I just remember that initial bit and then I don't remember anything else. Yeah. It's crazy what your brain yeah. does remember. I I remember um, uh, one lady that we got to and because mm. we, we dug down from the top and um, so we were going through slabs of concrete, like, you know, a floor of a building, you know, they're yep. sort of, you know, seven or eight inches thick yep. with reinforcing, you know, steel through it. And she was pretty much right underneath, but you know, you talked about before how, you know, he was kicking the drawers that you thought, you know, were holding you up. And so we had jackhammers um, and we were pretty much on top of this lady. So you imagine like, oh my God. you know, like, <laughs> it's <laughs> like, you know, like we were jackhammering through this eight inch Thanks. thick bit of steel yep. knowing there was a, you know, a mm-hmm. person underneath, you know, yep. and, uh, and then we got through that and then the steel was there and we had to cut the steel. And by this time someone had one of those, I don't know, a grinder, you know, yep. but like, so close to her. We the were grinding to yeah. her face, you know, like grinding the steel, you know, like. I and know. I know they had to do that with other people in my area. So. Yeah. yeah. And it's, um, <sighs> you know, it's, again, you know, you're worried that any any movement of the stuff around you could actually. Mm-hmm. Um, Just yeah. take out the whole. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's a very, it's a fine line, I guess. Um, it's very surreal to also think about that. That was the decisions you were making at that time, mm. and you didn't know what way it was going to go. Yeah, like I can only assume because I know what I saw. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and I laugh for lack of crying yeah. because if if you don't laugh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like um, yeah, the decisions that people had like the rescuers had to make. And I just feel like we need to really hammer this home. You know, that you didn't know what way they were going to go. Mm. You hoped for the best, but you did what you thought was best at the time. Yeah. One of the most heartbreaking things for me throughout it was, um, cause when I got to the top of the building, mm. there was one firefighter and he yep. said, um, he said, I'm in charge. And, um, so I'm not doing any work. He said, yep. I'm in charge. I'm being a supervisor. And he said, yep. so you guys are doing the work. And I said, well, who's you guys? And he said, well, it's just you at the moment. <laughs> so you got to, you got to start. And he said, um, I think it might even, we were trying to come down on the cafeteria, uh, but obviously every floor was different. You know, the cafeterias weren't on yep. top of each other. And he said that we, uh, he said, we're going to go, he said, we know there's someone over here. And he pointed maybe like four or five meters away, but he said, we know there's more people under here. Yeah. And he said, so we're going to go down here. And, and you talk about the decisions of, um, you know, heartbreaking decisions. It's like, I just remember thinking like, there's someone over there that thinks there's people coming for yeah. him. But, Sorry, I don't mean to get upset, yeah. but I know what mindset that person was in mm-hmm. when they had to make those decisions. You know, do they come for you or do they yeah. go for someone else? So. It's, um, and I know that I know that also that was decisions that Michael had to make too, and he's mm-hmm. talked to me about them, and I find it just so upsetting because that's what he has to live with. You know, we we only have our own stuff. We don't have to. We didn't have to make those decisions. Mm-hmm. I mean, they weren't your decisions. They were. Yeah. But it it was. It's. It's, it's heartbreaking. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I I still think about. I don't know. I I don't know if that lady made it out or the person made it out that we yep. had to ignore. But you know. In a way, it's the right decision, you know. It, it was is. To go for the, you know, he thought he could, we could get more people out that way and, and he knew there was someone over there, but we, um, 
you know, and and he's doing his job, and that's mm-hmm. you know what he'd probably do time and time again. But yeah, there's some some very tough decisions made on on times like that on on where you thought you could get through, and so you get um, you get pulled out, um, and you came out the side of the building, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. And so I guess then there's a ladder. You climb down the ladder. Mm-hmm. You may not remember it or not. I do, I do remember yeah, that climbing down the yep. ladder. Um, <laughs> I and, got to the top of the ladder mm-hmm. and I. Threw my shoes off. <laughs> just because <remember>. <laughs> <laughs> like, we—you have to understand—we mm. still didn't know what was going on. I hadn't looked anywhere, yeah, apart from at this ladder. Yeah. And my main goal was mm. to get down it. And he's like, "Oh, I'll help you down." I'm like, "I'm fine, I'm fine." And he's like, "No, I'll help you down." And as soon as I got on the ladder, and I was like, "I, I was like, I can't, I can't hold on." Mm-hmm. I like, I was shaking so ferociously, yeah. I could barely stand on it. Yeah. He, I don't know who this man was, mm-hmm. but when I say he would have had a hard job <laughs> keeping me on that, on that ladder, I felt so sorry for him because I was just like, felt yeah. like an earthquake myself. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess it's so overwhelming. Yeah. You know, it's hard. Um, and and you, you, you guess you get to the bottom of the ladder and um, what were your uh, – you know, what were your thoughts when you look back at, at the building that you'd just been pulled out of? The, the first thoughts weren't very nice ones. It wasn't the building um, I remember looking at and seeing all these people standing and looking at us. Mm-hmm. And I, I understand that they were really happy to see people coming out alive. But I was from the other side going, why aren't you helping? Mm-hmm. Like, And I know that sounds awful yeah. and maybe don't lead with that. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> So I remember coming out of the building and um, that was probably the hardest moment was um, when we got to the bottom, the St. John's lady was like, oh, I'll help you. And then someone had really nicely positioned my shoes. So when I came off the ladder, I stepped into my shoes <laughs> because I was just like, oh, there's grass and concrete here. Yeah. I was like, oh, no, there's not. Um, and then I looked up at my side of the building where I'd been sitting 30 seconds before the earthquake, one minute maximum. My whole team had been sitting at their desks mm-hmm. and I went, they're all dead. That was my first thoughts. Mm-hmm. And I remember looking back at that building and going, oh, my God, <laughs> like, like they're all dead. Mm-hmm. Like, like I, that was literally – and then, um, then the – St. John's lady carried me because I, by that stage I was just hysterical mm-hmm. um, because my, my side of the building was a complete pancake. There yeah. was there was no way anyone could survive that. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, um, yeah, they she took me around to the triage area and thankfully... Catherine, who is oh, sorry, Catherine, who's mm-hmm. I don't know if I should mention yeah. it, who's one of my really good friends now. Yeah. Um, she had gone to the toilet mm-hmm. just after, like we must have stood up at the same time and walked off in opposite directions. Mm-hmm. And she was like, "Oh my god, I thought you died!" And we just embraced there mm-hmm. because, yeah, um, our team of five, as we found out later, was a team of. Three, and one of the person had sustained had had half her body crushed. Mm. So, and if we had not been there, we would have been probably part of the, the same, statistics. Yeah. yeah, it's um, 
you can't help thinking like that, but also you can't think like that, can you? It's the what yeah, if scenario. Yeah, yeah, you can't do that with anything. You know, yep. like if I'd, you know, if I'd if I'd been this way or there yep. or done this or done that, it's sort of yep. yeah. It, then when you're going through the survivor's guilt, it's really hard to not be a what if type of person, um, and that's purely because you know why me and why not them. Um, Luck. (laughs) Um, Not your time. It's not my time, yeah. And it's, yeah, it's just really hard to, when you, again, when you're so young and you've never had, you don't have, like, I was, I didn't really have anyone. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I went, well, okay, push it to the side. This never happened. Mm -hmm. Um, Which is why I got acute post-traumatic stress. (laughs) But, yeah. I mean, a lot of people, you know, saw things and did things that day that they, you know, you never think you'd go through a whole lifetime without having to, you know, even come close to, particularly in New Zealand, you know. You think you're so you're so immune to mm-hmm. stuff like this, but one of the things that the earthquake taught us was that, you know. What you know, if it's, yeah. uh, it could. Yeah, yeah, totally could. Um, and so you, you go across the road to the triage and, mm-hmm. um you know, I think for people that weren't there, you know, we say triage like it's a hospital room. Yeah. Like the, it was a the, tree uh, with yeah. a couple of pieces of wood that were being yeah. knocked up yeah. as I came out. The army turned mm. up and they they literally just hung some um, like some tarpaulins over, over over a couple <laughs> yeah. of branches and, yeah. um, and 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 nailed a bit of wood to the ground and put some pegs in and, and that it was, was the, all, yeah, yeah. The, yeah it was and you walk up and it's the it's you. I feel like this is my statement of the day. Mm. It's so hard to understand or so hard to believe, but, you know, it's so surreal. You're walking out. You've just been in pitch black for six hours thinking you're going to die, and then all of a sudden you're on the outside of your building that you walked into this morning that looked like a brand-new building with its beautiful glass windows, its new stairwell, and you're staring up at this pile of rubble. And you like you, you, it's you can't fathom what is happening. You literally can't. And you've just come out of there. And you've just come out of there. You've somehow come out of this pancake of concrete, and you are standing. Uncomprehendable, isn't it? it, There's literally no words. Yeah, I remember the people standing across the road. You know, it was um, they were looking up and. you know, there were a lot of co-workers from the building, you know, like people that had, had made it out pretty quickly. Um, and a lot of people who had friends and family in the building as well. Mm-hmm. And I remember every time that we, you know, someone came out alive, you mm-hmm. know, that sort of hope that that would be the person that they were waiting for, yeah. you know, and it was heartbreaking that, you know, you'd pull someone out and it'd be two or three people that would jump up and down and recognise that it was their father, brother, mother, son, whatever it was, and then the other 30 people there, would mm-hmm. it was more waiting for them. But on the flip side of that, you helped get those people out. Mm-hmm. And I know that it's probably you wish you could have gotten more people out, but remember, he, you you actually helped. Hmm. Yeah, it's a um, uh, yeah, it's, it's one of those things that um, yeah, those those that group of people that were there was just a you know 
as much as you yeah. know, it would have been just as terrifying. I think you know, waiting um, compared to you know some of the other people, you know, experiences from the day. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're in triage. You talk about a body tag going on. <laughs> yeah. What's a body tag? You're so not, the, you're not a body yet. <laughs> <laughs> so the body tag was broken down into three different categories. Mm-hmm. And um, so I got a green one, mm-hmm. which meant that I was walking, talking, and was not in immediate need mm-hmm. of hospital care. Mm-hmm. Uh, they wrote down where I was experiencing pain, mm-hmm. um, the, or if I had looked like I had any visible issues, they fully checked you over and then they took your pulse and wrote down the time that you came out. Yeah. Um, and then you had that attached to you um, until you left the site. Mm-hmm. So that was very surreal. You kind of go, okay. Only ever seen these in movies on a person in a morgue. Yeah, on their toes, isn't it? Yeah. Yep. Um, and then, you know, if you got the orange one, that meant you were in immediate need of care. And if you got a red one, it meant, well, stop sign. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It meant, the, yes. Yeah. Um, I think it's self-explanatory. Yeah. Um, and so you get a green tag. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what, do you stay there? Do you do you go on an ambulance to hospital still? Do you? No. So I was, I actually came out. So you have to remember, I'd only been living in Christchurch for four months. Mm. And I think this is where the start of my psychological trauma comes out. So I came out and I had no one there. So, because I no one knew where I was. No one knew where I worked. Mm. <laughs> Like, you know, this is the days before Facebook showed everyone everything. Um, And so I came out and I was a bit like, oh, okay. Um, But there was this really lovely army guy and I remember him specifically. And he was like, would you like, he gave me his jacket because my top was ripped to shreds. (laughs) Like, I was just like, I don't know. Mm. You know, it was ripped to shreds. Um, I was covered in everything you could ever imagine. Mm -hmm. And he, so he gave me his his big army jacket to wear mm. because I was freezing, and then we got given a a silver silver blanket, yeah. and then we were told we could go wait in the army army bus if we wanted to. And so me and me and um, my friend or the person who I worked with mm-hmm. the closest, um, Catherine, she'll mind mentioning her. Mm-hmm. Uh, Catherine, we um, went and we sat in the bus to get out of the cold, mm-hmm. and we were. Um, I think before that we were hanging around just in the, we, well we had to be in the triage area so we were in the triage area um, and they had just bought food on site and then I remember someone being like oh there's your rescuer um, Michael over there and I'm like what? Where? And I, so you have to understand it's like this very weird situation where you I literally do not remember his face because I was focused on yeah. self-preservation was focused on getting out of the building and they were like, there's your rescue Michael. And I was like, where, where? And I remember just like dropping what I was doing and running over to him and just being like, oh my God, I love you. Like, thank you so much. You know, nothing I ever say, nothing I ever could you know, do will ever, ever, you know, be enough to thank him for coming into that building and saving my life. Like I, you know, the selflessness of just the act of the rescuers in itself is insurmountable. Um, and just I remember, and I remember seeing him and just like, <laughs> poor guy. <laughs> he 
he was very tired. You know, he'd been doing this for hours and hours and hours and all he wanted was some food. And all he gets is this woman throwing himself at him. Mm. Um, and that was the, you know, the start of our relationship just mm. as friends. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, he was the, you know, he was the person who helped me get out alive and mm. I will, you know, always remember him for that, you know. Mm. Um, and just seeing him in that moment, you know, it's, I can't, it's so hard to explain. <laughs> it is hard, yeah. Just, you know, you all of a sudden there's this person and you, you know, there are all these other people who have helped, but he was just there. Yeah. He has, he has literally seen me at my worst. <laughs> he, no one will ever see me. Mm-hmm. God willing. <laughs> no one will ever see me in that circumstance. Mm-hmm. Again, like yeah. He has literally seen me at my worst. Yeah. And that type of bond is something you could never. Yeah. And then he was also there to help me escape that. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard. I know you talk about that hug. I don't think it was you two, but I saw two people hug that day. Yeah. And it was exactly the same scenario. This guy just pulled this woman out and and he pulled her out and she gave him a hug. It's it's the most, you can't describe it. It's like a... It'd be uh, man, it's it's the hug of someone that just saved their life, you know. It's um, yep. you can't. There's no words that, that team to do that sort of event justice. I don't think. Yeah. Um, and you're still quite close with them now. Yeah, we still catch up like every now and then. It's really cool seeing all the different different life events that are going on. Um, he's based down in Queenstown, and so I'm obviously a South Island girl. So mm. I'm always like, oh, how's it going? You know. Um. And it's, yeah, it's because there's just a, a very, a very um, special bond. Yeah. Like I understand things from his perspective. He understands things from my perspective. And, you know, that's something that like even my husband, he can't, un- he would never be able to comprehend because he wasn't there. Mm-hmm. And it's something that a lot of people in Christchurch in particular talk about, you know, if you weren't in Christchurch, you don't understand it. It's like if you weren't in that building or you weren't, you didn't work on that building, you don't get it. Yeah. You can, you can, you can think about it. You can kind of, you can empathize, yeah. but you will never fully yeah. grasp the situation. Yeah. And it is hard to, um, yeah, is it even describe it such a, um, and I think your you bond from people that you sort of have with people from that day is so unique because mm-hmm. your emotions are so heightened. And yes. whenever your emotions are heightened, you you seem to take in so much more. Yes. And you seem to absorb everything the, you know, the smells, the taste, the feelings, mm-hmm. the, there's obviously just a cocktail of chemicals running through your, your body. Mm-hmm. Um, and it all just heightens every single sense and every single experience. And so yeah. you sort of have that connection when you know people coming from all different angles on that day in that building all have that that same sort of release and were able to have a bond that is um that is you know very unique yeah 100 percent. it's like all of Christchurch you know everyone who lived here on that day has a special bond Mm -hmm. um and then everyone who is on their particular site has that accentuated bond yeah and tell me so you're on the bus mm-hmm. and then do you go to hospital? No, I didn't go to hospital. Um, I was very fortunate. Well, to be fair, you know, unless that day you had – so my sister, mm-hmm. I'm like, let me let me break this down mm-hmm. for you. My sister can explain it more, mm-hmm. can explain it better. So her partner had both his legs crushed, crushed in um, another incident by the bus station. 
So our family was quite affected. Um, so she was in hospital from moment dot mm-hmm. with him. And only people who were sent to the hospital had really, you know, yeah. you know, they, they'd set up helicopters to fly people yeah. like from our building over to Wellington to, yeah. so unless you were in a, you had an yeah. orange body tag, yeah. unless you had an orange body tag, yeah. you were not going yeah. towards some sort of facility. Yeah. So, so what happens then, you know, you're, you don't know many people like, what do you do afterwards? So my older sister knew that I, no one knew where I was. Um, obviously, I didn't have a phone, and even back then, <laughs> a decade ago, we were all, a, you know, t- phones were our main method of communication. Mm-hmm. Um, so my older sister had been looking for me, and she'd gone to a couple places. And again, she she knew where I lived, but she didn't know where I worked. For some reason, no one knew where I worked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, so my little sister was in hospital with her partner, and. My mum was down for literally was leaving Christchurch that day and she was just down for the weekend to catch up with all of us girls. Mm -hmm. So she was at a friend's house because she didn't know where to go. What had happened was I had done my uh, monitoring time where they had looked after me Mm -hmm. and made sure that I wasn't going to go into shock, et cetera. (laughs) (laughs) And um, because I didn't have anyone there – a police officer was needed to take me back to the house. He's like, well, take back to my, um, my flat. Mm -hmm. And so he had a phone and I knew the one number. I knew that I wasn't going to call my grandma again. (laughs) (laughs) So I had that one number that I knew off by heart, which was my friend Rebecca. Mm -hmm. And so I messaged her and said, Hey, I'm being taken back to my house. Can you somehow contact one of my sisters to come get me? And so she messaged or phoned my older sister, managed to get through on the phone lines, and then we got back to the heart of the flat and I was packing a bag because I was going to go back with another lady who I worked with mm-hmm. and then up pulled my sister. And, like, I've never seen her, them, like, literally I'm talking, like, had been obviously speeding through Christchurch yeah. somehow. Again, this is, like, seven, eight hours after the earthquake, so the traffic had yeah. slowed down somewhat. Mm-hmm. Um, and she, they just, like... Sl- remember the screeching of the brakes as they pulled up <laughs> and she just ran towards me and it was it was the most surreal moment because I feel like for me that was when I kind of went oh my god that just happened I literally just escaped a four-story building or five-story building on collapsing on top of me you know I was trapped and I didn't I couldn't articulate what had happened because I was so overwhelmed and I remember the police officer having to speak to them and be like, just so you know, and then trying to explain the whole situation where I was like, because obviously I was in no state to be passing on information. And because we had to be monitored um, for the next couple of days, you know, just as a precautionary method, um, yeah, they... It's a hard thing to describe, I guess, isn't that why, you know, so this just happened to me. The realisation <laughs> yeah. of the magnitude of the situation. Yeah, and that you'd survive. Yeah, you know. and that other people very obviously, you didn't know at that stage, mm-hmm. but very obviously hadn't. Yeah. And I only knew that one person from my team mm-hmm. had survived. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, that, and that's a weird thing. Is, is I think also that you didn't know anyone died, but you knew people died. Oh, yeah. You know, I remember when I first got to the PGC building and looked up at it and I was just like, I remember being on the phone to my mum and I was like, people have died. She's like, really, how do you know? I was like. You need to see this building. <laughs> yeah, I'm just what I'm looking at. And, you know, you couldn't obviously see anyone, but you knew that. Well, I mean, that was my first thoughts. Yeah. You know, you just, you, having been where I was. Yeah. And then when you, like, I feel like you need to put in a picture here mm-hmm. just to showcase. Yeah. You know, it wasn't just pancaked. It was, there was no space yeah. in between one side of the building. Yeah. Well, it, was, it was four stories compressed yeah. down to about four metres, really. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. And then if they aftershock, mm. yeah. everything just settles down more. Mm. Mm. Tell me um, about the, you know, the weeks sort of following because it was a surreal time for everyone in Christchurch because it wasn't like, you know, you didn't go back to work and it, no one sort of, it was this bizarre sort of, um, I guess you sort of felt in limbo, you know, it sort of felt like for me anyway, it wasn't like no one went back to work but no one, it wasn't, you went on holiday but, you know, you just stuck in this phase when we were like, going around and digging out liquefaction from people's houses and stuff. It was a very weird time, but that was, you know, different for me. What was, you know, what do you do in the following weeks after something like that? I remember the first two days, like they're, like, you know, in my memory, like a black and white movie almost Mm. where there's no, there's no voiceovers. There's no, (laughs) um, one of those silent movies Mm -hmm. where I just went through the motions of being alive. Um, So it was, I went into strong disassociative tendencies because, you know, we got to the house after my sister had dropped me off and I was just like, we were very fortunate. They obviously had water because it's like, I just need a shower. And then there was an aftershock in the shower and my sister had to come sit with me because I was so terrified and then obviously there's all of these aftershocks going on. So I didn't sleep for about two days, like did not sleep. I had, I think I got, like I tried to in the middle of the day so that people could watch me and make sure that nothing was going to fall on top of me. Like I went to go sleep on the couch at one stage and instead of sleeping on the couch, I slept beside it, like went onto the ground so that then if the roof fell on top of me, I knew that at least I would have this triangle of life. Um, and then, so two days afterwards, my mum realised that this that this was not going to improve unless we left. Mm-hmm. And so I, in all honesty, I don't even know what was happening around Christchurch because I was so absorbed in what was happening to me because I was not there. Um, I was a shell of myself. I, like, I was not a person. I was just someone watching from afar. Mm-hmm. Um and so my mum actually took me away from Christchurch just to just to get my get out of it. Yeah. Um, I didn't have anything. I had when I say I literally had the like my sister. I still remember this. <laughs> my sister bought me clothes, like gave me her underwear. Like I was, I had nothing. Like my flat was in on Manchester Street. We were just outside the red zone. It was there were cracks all through the house, and I refused to go back there. Um, so we, we left and I in the same clothes that I'd been wearing for two days and went straight to Blenheim. Just 
became an earthquake refugee straight off the bat. Mm. Um, and I never, I didn't return back to that flat. I didn't touch it. My sister went and grabbed everything for me. I only time I returned to Christchurch was on was initially on the outskirts, and that was when everyone from our company, um, a week later, uh, went and had a catch up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sort of like a- went and had a um, you know went to see each other. Remember, yeah. And that was you know after there was the realization that this was our team now, mm-hmm. um, and then that's when. The funeral started. Yeah. And then when the funeral started, I think I, I made an absolute effort to go to every single person's from our company. So 10 people from my work died. Um, and so out of the 18 in that building, 10 were on our floor. Mm-hmm. And then you try you were trying to keep in touch with people who were um, who were in hospital, but you couldn't. There's not at that stage. Um, yeah. And I was I remember going on our way out of town from Christchurch to Blenheim, we went and stopped into the hospital and that's when we realised how bad I how bad I was because I walked to the edge of the hospital and I was like screaming at my mum saying, I can't go in there. Like, you know, I was hysterical. Didn't want to go into another building. Didn't want to go into another building, especially a four or five, you know, story yeah. building. And I like, I have, I'm, I like to think I'm quite a confident person. Mm-hmm. Just uh, the irrational fear was right there from the beginning. Yeah, and I don't think it's irrational though. No. <laughs> I, I think it is very much justified and, yeah. and, and nearly every human being would be mm. in a similar circumstance, I think. Um, and so I went across and sat in the park, the car park. <laughs> My sister came out to see me. <laughs> it was really nice actually when she came out. Just de- yeah. just a debrief on what, like the different situations mm-hmm. because that's what it became. It became this point of reference for everyone and it still is to this day you know 10 years on and we still have that point of reference where we can all talk about our own snippets in time or yeah. fragments a day do you have you ever had a sense of closure from it at all the first kind of stepping stone i took well so firstly it took me a long time to kind of come to terms with what had happened and i think that's a bit of the the thing i kept talking about of the youthful ignorance where i you know, I didn't have, didn't understand, like I didn't know what post-traumatic stress was. And so um, when I got made redundant three months following because I didn't have a team anymore and they did offer me another job, I will say that, up in Auckland, um, I lost the plot. Like I, I, my, I all of a sudden had this, oh, my God, you know, this actually happened. This is now becoming very real. You know, I now have literally nothing. My life had been has been turned upside down. And so that was kind of the first stepping stone in understanding what had happened. And once I had that, <laughs> I then started seeing counsellors and um, started seeing, well, I'd been seeing a, um, a physio and a chiropractor since like I think it was three weeks after because mm-hmm. I was fine, you know. Mm-hmm. I walked out of that building. I have no issues when really I was riddled, mm. riddled with things. Like, you know, my body was literally twisted. Yeah. There's no other way to explain it. Like I was like this. Like contortionist. Contor- yeah. yeah, because I was still in the position mm-hmm. that I was in in the building. Yeah. And my, it was, you, you were so um, closed off. Yeah. 
And so, um, yeah, so three months afterwards was when I had the biggest, it was the big turning point, which mm-hmm. is when I went, okay, yeah, I need to, I need to sort my, myself out. Yeah. Um, and that's me putting it nicely. <laughs> and I started actually, you know, trying to come to terms with what had happened. But I would say five years was everything up until that point was kind of limbo land. Yeah. You know, I was doing things, I was making progress in my life, you know, I was, I had like huge progress, like, I, but I didn't ever talk about the earthquake. And that was the self-preservation techniques we keep talking mm. about. Um, so, and then at five years I went, no, no, I need to, I was like, I want to own this. I really want to write my side of the story. You know, what, you know, I went through and honestly, when I say it was like, the the t- it was like the the um the door had been lifted off of my back. Yeah. I'd always could feel that pressure coming down on me, mm-hmm. and then once I wrote it all down and actually put it out to people, you know, this is what's happened to me. This is why I am the person I am today. You know, this has shaped me to become who you see before you. Mm. It's not all just. One thing or another, you know, I didn't just make my way here. I actually had something happen that made me think, you know what? I'm going to take on life and I'm not just going to take it on and, you know, a little bit. I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to take on opportunity and I'm actually going to chase the things that I really like, you know, chase the, chase my dreams. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that's, that was a huge stepping stone. And then at five years, it just kind of started to become, well, Yeah, I'm happy to, you know, I was happy to talk about it. I use it as, I've now flipped it from being, you know, the humble, you know, discussion where you don't want to kind of talk about it because it's a bit bit of a weird topic to being like, well, you know, if we don't remember it ourselves, if we don't talk about it from our perspectives, then it is a piece of history that's going to be lost. It's a good way to look at it. Mm. Yeah, the, um, I wrote the story, my story as well, mm. um, and that really helped me for some reason. Um, I, I don't know why, but yeah, writing it down yeah. seems to, in, in some ways, help helps remember it for for, mm-hmm. for me. I don't know if you've read it again, but um, your one, I've read my one you know, every year or so, and it just it does yep. sort of take you back, and you're able to sort of remember it, and it's a nice sort of. Um, yeah, I don't know for me if it ever if I've you know my story is completely different to yours, but. You know, if you, if you get closure from something like that, and yes. you say like it's always part of you. I think it is mm-hmm. always part of you, and it certainly upset me for a, a number of years after that, mm-hmm. and um, and still does. If you know, if I talk about yep. certain things, um, but I think that you know, writing it down certainly helped, and you know, maybe we don't ever get closure from it. Yeah, I don't think you ever do. I think it's just something that you learn to live with, and then you use that memory in a particular way. Yeah. So I think you learn to live with it, but you use it in a different way. Um, it just becomes, as we're saying, a part of who you are. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's a very hard thing to put into words, I think. You know, I guess it's probably the same for people that have traumatic experiences and other, you know, mm-hmm. going to war or something like that. It's not something that becomes, um, you maybe don't have closure or, you know, just as, as, a, as, a, as a part of you and it sits in there at some level somewhere and, and changes the way that you live. Um, you talked about, you know, 
pre and post quake, Monique. Yeah. It's quite a nice sort of eras. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. A, t- mm-hmm. a turning point in your life that you know meant that you you changed the way. And I think the earthquake or an event like that has a big effect on a lot of people. You know, whether it's sustained, as you know, for mm-hmm. you it's probably it looks sounds like it's sustained. You know, you've been able to sort of take opportunities and be unapologetically yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, which is amazing. Um, I think all that stuff, but I don't know if it's really changed. You know, if it's changed yeah. my behaviour, I don't know. But I, I think it shapes your identity. Mm. It creates the person you are today because without that experience, you would be completely different. Mm. It's 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 a part of your life. It's just different to other people's. I know what you mean. <laughs> and um, and you're still close with Michael. Yeah, I, I don't think we could ever not be close. Um, I think when certain things happen in the world, you know, like the Kaikoura quake or you have a tendency to come back and be like, are you okay? Mm-hmm. Like, did you hear that? Also, you know, in my in my behalf, you know, I feel also slightly responsible for him having his post-traumatic stress. Um, but also I could never, ever forget him. You know, he is the reason that I have had the opportunity to do absolutely everything that I have done past that date. You know, past February 22nd, if it wasn't for the rescuers who were there that day or who chose to come to that building, I wouldn't be here. I was a victim of circumstance. They made the active decision to come onto that site. And that's why, you know, you you can't, there's nothing you ever say could thank them. And I think the best thing that I can do is live my life to its full potential. Yeah, that's a great way to be. I think that it's interesting, you know, to talk about the, you know, the choice. And I think it's, it's important that, you know, that with something like an earthquake and when it's so widespread, like it's an entire city, mm. it's not just like one place that, you know, we talk about people like Michael and they, you know, the, the the people that were there then, this was long before the news cameras arrived, mm-hmm. before mm-hmm. the fire trucks were there, before the policemen were there. It was, it was just ordinary people, yep. you know, and that's what I think that maybe not everyone understands about that day is that it was just random people who were doing their living their life and just happened to be in a position where they thought they could do something and they, you know, like Michael, he mm-hmm. climbed into a building, you know, very much yep. risking his own life. Um, and, um, yeah, there was no training, no mm-hmm. guidance, no yep. like – because it was a collapsed building, there's no idea of what's going to happen. You can't be trained for that anyway. <laughs> no, yeah, 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 totally. And, um, yeah, it's wonderful. I mean, unfortunately, um, I, I tried to contact a couple of the people that I pulled mm. out and, um, and you know, they're obviously suffering from some extreme sort of mm-hmm. stress um, yes. after the incident as well. And, um, and, yeah, she didn't really even want to – see me or talk to me at all it was quite um it was it was pretty heartbreaking actually sorry that really upsets me so yeah. i know i know that's it's personal circumstances yeah. and i also 100 percent see it from my perspective where mm. sometimes you just need to shut off from the incident um but also you know i look at it on the flip side you know i have a beautiful baby i have a loving husband my husband he 
his words for Michael, he's like, I could never articulate, you know, mm. what it means to me for you to be mm. here. Like, it's not just from my perspective, you know, it's all of these different people's lives that you impact, you, you've impacted from taking that selfless act. And, um, yeah, it's, it's going back to what you were saying, like people don't understand that it was ordinary people. People don't understand the magnitude of the situation. If average people didn't come and help, then I would have continued being in my little wee dark hole pinned down, sitting there wondering if this is where I'm going to die today or that's where I would have died that day. And that's why I think a lot of us are so, so absolutely grateful for the ordinary people who came out and helped. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and that, that's, you know, it's so, um, you know, the, the sense of gratitude you have is, mm. um, you know, is fantastic. And, and and I guess everyone just experienced it differently, you know. Oh, 100%. Um, yeah, and, and I certainly have no, um, you know, no ill feelings towards mm-hmm. that lady. I know that she, you know, went through stuff that I couldn't imagine, yeah. but um, it's still, you know, I – I know other people that have relationships with the people that yeah. they were, you know, with that day, and I, it would be nice that, um, you know, she, she, you know, she just, I, I rung her and she just said, I said who I was and what happened, and she just said, oh, I, I don't remember anything from that day. I'm sorry, and we just hung up, and and it was fine, you know, like I, I didn't, I, I don't have any 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 ill feelings at all, but um, you know, it was just her way of, you know. Yep. coping I guess and um, yes for sure and um you know I would have been nice to have a you know a relationship mm. like you know look at you and Michael and it's yep. so cool that you have that and it's so um again it's a relationship that that no one can comprehend mm-hmm. you know it's a very unique thing how do you um you know it's 10 year anniversary tomorrow you know mm-hmm. how do you how do you think about the earthquake now how do you look back about it what does it mean to you oh that's a it's a very loaded question um so with the 10th anniversary this year in particular, you know, I have a newborn baby. She's, she's almost six months old and I find it's really important for me to bring her here, to take her to the PGC site, to take her down the Riverwalk Memorial. And I really just want to introduce her to something that's so significant to her history and the history of New Zealand and her involvement. Yes, I know she's a baby. <laughs> um but the reason that I want to do that from such a young age is, you know, if it wasn't for what happened on that day, she wouldn't be here, you know. And to me, the earthquake is just such a, you know, it's such a piece of who I am as a person that I couldn't go past doing something on the 10th anniversary you know, I live in Hamilton right now and being in the North Island, they don't understand. Only people who are in, you know, what we talk about, only people in Christchurch really get the magnitude of the event. Um, so when I come down here, it's so nice to feel that, understood. understand, yeah. that feeling understood. As I said, my husband doesn't get it and he knows everything about me. <laughs> But, like, I talk to you and you get it. Like, you get why the 10th anniversary is such a significant event for people like us um, and why it's such a significant thing for me to show Zoe, mm-hmm. 
you know, she, she, I want her to understand. And, uh, you know, I don't want to feel like I need to close myself off to the experience just because, oh, you know, it's just in the earthquake. Yeah. Um, you know, I was in the earthquake. No, I was, I was in it. I was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think I told you before, I, last year I took my daughter mm-hmm. um, to the PGC site yeah. and it was just, I don't know what it is. And maybe it's hard to explain as you put, and there's, um, you know, it was just lovely. Just, I go mm-hmm. there every year. Every Love year, it. yeah, and um, and we sit there. And last year was the first year that she came with mm-hmm. me. It's such a nice sort of, you know, she was just you know, smelling the flowers and yep. crawling around on the grass, and it's something sort of, I don't know. It's it's like a it's a sacred day. It's a sacred space. Mm, it is, yeah. And and having someone, uh, you know, your child that you love so mm. much, sort of being a part of it, but it just being this beautiful bit of lawn yep. is something. Um, you know, and then you sort of have these memories of, of the things that yep. you looked at that day on that site, and it's such a it's such a contrast, but in some way it gives you such a sense of um, what's the word? A sense of sort of not awe, but respect, and yep. and you know, sort of remembrance. It's quite a um, yeah, I loved it, and I, I do the same tomorrow. Mm. And the, the memorial along the lake on the river is really nice. Yep. You've been there? No, I haven't actually. So, um, and I haven't been down in five years. And I'll be honest and say the reason that I'm able to escape that earthquake, um, how do I put it, anniversary trauma, Mm -hmm. is is by separating myself from it. And that's why I do also kind of understand it from the side of that person, you know, who you rescued. Mm -hmm. Because I don't have a leg to stand on. I left Christchurch within two days, you know. I only returned intermittently when things were happening or, you know, for the anniversary, but then I would disappear again. So I can, I can see it from that perspective. Um, in the, yeah. So I'm really looking, I'm really looking forward to going and doing the walk with her and that being like my first time. And like, yeah. I can already see I'm going to get emotional because I'm going to get yeah. emotional even talking yeah, about yeah. it just because it, to me, it's going to be such a special experience and I need now get to, you know, that's part of my legacy, you know, I get to take her down there and I get to be like, you know, this is, this is, this is also for us yeah because, you know, f- this is something that we were involved in. And I say us because, you know, she was a part of me then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> No, it's a very special place. I um, I I, um, I, go, I run a lot, and so I run there I early, early mornings. And yep. when it, like at dawn, there's no one there. It's really nice. The sun sort of comes up, and mm-hmm. I do it every morning on the anniversary. It's lovely. It's a lovely spot by the river, and yep. the way they've honoured everyone who passed mm-hmm. that day is, is, a, is, a, is, a, is, a, is a beautiful spot. Um, and, you know, what's life like now? You've got a beautiful daughter, yeah. husband. <laughs> very different. <laughs> Very, very different. Like, um, yeah, after the earthquake, I kind of decided, you know, my, I'm going to use your, your little wee tagline here, you know, my road to success here has been kind of comprised of three different things. You know, everything I do is to create happiness in myself. You know, I don't do anything if I don't think that that's going to be the end, end goal. <laughs> um, I like to challenge myself. And I, I take things on because if you don't challenge yourself, then you're just living on kind of that one straight and narrow road. Mm-hmm. And then I also I fight my fears. After the earthquake, I was terrified of everything. And so then I took it upon myself to, you know, something scares me, then I have to do it because that's just 
Like what? What have you done? Oh God, I'm oh, I'm terrified of heights now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I like the first thing I did. I think is I went bungee jumping. I stood on that that platform for about maybe two minutes. <laughs> trying to death grip. I'm like, just push me, just push me. <laughs> um, that was the first thing that did scare me. I then went out and I went, um, are you, I will remember this particular thing, walking through the square pre-earthquake in this beautiful vintage dress that I loved. But I was like, oh my God, people are looking at me. Look how different I look. And now I own it. You know, if I put on something that I love, I'm like, well, if people are staring at me, it's because they're like, wow, you know, there's, it's the flip side. It's not mm. they're staring at you because they, they are. Yes, they are staring at you because you're different. And that's not a bad thing. You know, being yourself, you should never, ever be apologetic about that. Um, and, um, like, I love Dr. Zeus. And I usually take a lot of his um, – have you ever heard of the book, Oh, The Places You'll Go? Mm-hmm, yeah. That is my favorite book in the world. I quote it all the time. Everything I do, yeah. you know, you'll move mountains. And that's, if you keep that at the top of your mind, you know, whatever you, you know, if it could be right or wrong, 98 and three quarters percent guaranteed you're going to achieve what you want. Mm-hmm. And oh, well, if you don't, you've got that next mountain, you can start climbing. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a fantastic attitude you have <laughs> yeah, towards life. And I think sometimes as human beings, it's sad, but we don't, um, you know, there's that, there's that quote that the human we get two lives and yep. the second one starts and we realize that we only get one. That's exactly it. That's yeah. that's exactly it. You couldn't surmise it any better, you know? Mm. Um, yeah, and it's it's that that day somehow gave us all the you know, you might look at it as a you know, it is certainly a negative event, but in some way it, it it turned the light on and it, and it shone. It sort of showed us mm-hmm. the, you know, our second life of, mm-hmm. you know, maybe for you anyway, it sounds yep. like the second life sort of started from there and you go, you know, you realise, and human beings often don't realise, you know, how good things are until mm-hmm. we, the, 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 either we lost it or the fear of losing it, you know, yes. and, and when you get something like that, you realise how special, you know, life is and maybe having a child's a nice way to, you <laughs> know, it reminds you of the, the, you know, the beauty in the world. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I look back at the earthquake and, yeah, I think it's certainly part of who I am and, mm-hmm. and I guess everyone in Christchurch will probably have a sense of that. Um, and it just gives you a a reminder, you know, when you walk past, drive through the city now, it's it's a different place than it was 10 years ago. Very, very, very different. Very different. Very yeah. different. Even flying in, you see the difference in the landscape and the CBD, particularly. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's only two big buildings remaining. Yeah, it's nuts, isn't it? Yeah. It's entirely different. And, um, you know, I think that, you know, you sharing your story so openly and, um, you know, and the, the memorials that we've mm. got. And I think like Christchurch, it's, it's, you know, it's a part of our history as it yeah. is your and mine. And I mm-hmm. think that it's a nice thing to, 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 to be connected to because mm-hmm. I do feel a connection to it. Um, in some way, um, and I'm so pleased that you're enjoying such a wonderful life now. With, um, with what's your partner's name? Ah, uh, Sam. With Sam yes. and we <laughs> Zoe. Um, I, you know, after we actually got connected, wasn't it from mm-hmm. the newspaper article? Yes, yeah, we did. Yeah, Vicky Anderson wrote a lovely article and um, connected us. So I'm, I'm 
I'm thankful for your time mm-hmm. today, for the fact that we've we've got a connection, we've been in touch. I'm so, um, you know, I've never met Michael, but um, we've certainly been in touch. And it's I a great I, human being. <laughs> yeah, he certainly is. So I hope I get to meet him one day. But thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for, um, I guess, doing it so openly as well, because it mm-hmm. is an important part. And I think, like you said, it is our history. And I think that, um, you know, the fact that you wrote it down and that we talk about it now, this will live on the internet forever. And mm-hmm. it's important that our stories and our history of our city uh, live on for our children and um, you know, the people mm-hmm. who come after us to, to remember because the earthquake was a very significant part mm-hmm. of not just our lives, but our city as well. Mm-hmm. And again, I just want to say, like from the bottom of my heart, um, thank you. Because, you know, without your selfless act, without you being such a great human being, I wouldn't be here today. I wouldn't be able to be here to talk to you. And you were an important part of that rescue effort as much as everyone else who was on that site that day. So thank you. Yeah, it's, a, it's nice of you to say thank you. Um, I wish I could say more, but words genuinely cannot articulate my gratitude. Yeah, yeah it's, um, it's just one of those events that I guess everyone um, – looks back differently and, and lots of people did and saw things that day they don't mm-hmm. ever expect to have to deal with but um, like you said it's a very important part of who we are now and um, again I'm exceedingly grateful for, for being a part of this you're an amazing human being and uh, I look forward to you know seeing your beautiful life unfold <laughs> even more well thank you for giving it to me <laughs> and there it is um Thank you so much for checking out the Road to Success podcast. This episode a lot different to a lot of the other interviews and episodes that um, that I've done. But again, the you know the Christchurch earthquake was a, a big part of um, my life and a big part of uh, Monique's life as well. And I'm so grateful for her time today and for, for jumping on the podcast. And um, you know, I think there's a lot of a lot of lessons and insights um, underneath Monique's story about how she's chosen to live her life afterwards. That um, you know, there's something in there for all of us to take. Away. So, um, look, huge thanks to Monique for her time, for her openness, openness and, and willingness to share what is a, um, you know, a really heartfelt story. Some of those things I haven't even heard before today. So, incredibly grateful to her. And look, if you did enjoy the episode, um, if you can subscribe to the podcast on wherever you listen to your podcasts, if you can leave a positive review, if you're on uh, listening to it on Apple Podcasts, or you can tell someone to go and check out the Road to Success podcast on both Spotify uh, and Apple Podcasts as well. Um, we did also talk about it uh, during the podcast or allude to it a couple of times, but um, I wrote a blog a couple of years after the earthquake with my full story Um of that day and if you would like to check that out uh, it's all online at mattylovell.com just click on the blog link and it will take you right there but that's it thank you again to Monique for making the time Um, I really appreciate uh, her and her making the effort today to come and join me and of course thank you so much to you for checking out the Road to Success podcast thank you love you see ya bye